Today on the show, I'm going to talk about the warrior spirit and yoga. I rely on the generosity of you, the listeners, to help support this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this, and here I am providing this content to you for free. We're on 61 episodes today, and that's a lot of content for you to take advantage of. All I ask is that you give a donation, even if it's the price of a yoga class. Whatever you feel that you've received from this podcast, please make a donation. Help support this program so I can continue to bring it to you. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com, and on the contact page, there's a donate button. You could donate in any currency, even bitcoins. And uh, there's also a link in the episode description. You can also help support the podcast by going to iTunes and rating and reviewing it. Also, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. Help me get the word out. You can also go to the podcast merch shop that is on the podcast website and buy a coffee mug, a shirt, a bag with one of the quotes from my writing to help remind you of your inner power and the insights that I have brought to you throughout these episodes. Okay, so now let's get to it. Beautiful am I, bountiful am I, blissful am I. Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For those of you who are new, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone again. I hope everyone is doing well. You know, I, I sit down and, and try to think about the topics I want to cover. And typically, it's, it's you know, something that has crossed my mind that day or that I've counseled someone on and the topic has come up or, or you know, just some intuition about what is going on in this world or in people's lives that I want to try to address and connect to. In this episode, I, I found it a little difficult to come up with a topic. And it's not that I am out of things to say. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about, a lot to say. But, you know, I've been, like everyone, looking at what's happening the last two years and how it's disrupted people's lives. I don't know about every person uh, listening to this, but I know for me it's it's really had a big impact in in uh, my lifestyle and in my uh, 
uh, economics as well. And uh, honestly, it's been a little frustrating, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this way. But then you start to internalize this and say, okay, well, you know, a yogi should be at peace. And this is the most important aspect of this path of uh, self-realization is to find that peace that I talk about to be able to recognize the subtle within, right? The more peaceful you are within, the easier it is to recognize the little things that start to bubble up from the unconscious. And this is like standing in a lake and you're walking around and you're kicking up the dirt in the bottom of the lake and you're trying to see your feet. It's very difficult. But if you're able to stand very still and let all that dirt fall to the ground, the bottom of the lake, and then you can look down and the water is very clear. And so this is kind of the idea behind trying to find peace. And so we need to balance this, especially for people who are householders. And so when you have to balance this with being a householder or balance this with the day-to-day things, even if you're not, there's a lot of conflict, especially in these days where people are so divided between being on this side or that side or this political party or that political party or trying to live their life without being bothered. And because of my karma and life experiences, this balance has always been a sensitive issue. Uh, When it comes up, you know, it's something that I have to really try to understand what am I reacting to. You can listen to episode 33 where I talk about family dynamics and karma. I think it's uh, one of the most difficult episodes for me to talk about, but uh, it, it, was a really interesting experience with these topics. And like I said, when I started out with this podcast, my intention was to get a little more personal, to kind of bridge that gap from my teachings when I teach a workshop and I share with you the lessons I've learned from my experiences, but not really talk about some of the really personal experiences. And so in this podcast, like I said, when I started out, I wanted to really bridge that gap by sharing these personal experiences. And one of them was about growing up in a house that uh, consisted of some anger and uh, aggression in the environment. And it made it very challenging for me to create this internal peace. You know, it's interesting, though, when I counsel people, and and if you really uh, are observant of of people's uh, creative expression, you see that often their expression or the strength in their expression comes from the struggles that they had, right? If you look at the best teachers or writers, what do they teach and what do they write about? The things that they struggled with, because this is the opportunity you have to be the expert, right? Uh, Just like an example I think I've given on this podcast before is imagine you go to work 
And every day you turn on the computer and there's another problem. It doesn't work. And so you have to fix it before you can start your day. Then the person sitting next to you, they come in to work and every day they turn their computer on and it works without an issue. After one year, who is the expert in the computer? And so this is the way you should kind of look at your life because often we try to downplay or hide or, or, or to try to remove the things that we struggle with. And we don't really give them the light that they really deserve to have. Because when you focus on these as your expression, you have to really learn how to master them. And so this was a challenge for me. I remember one of the first lessons that I was conscious of learning that my father imparted to me. Uh, I was about four years old, and as I'm telling you this, I can actually picture this in my mind where I was standing, uh, where everyone who was in the room was standing, what the room was, and uh, I remember every detail of this moment for some reason. I don't know why, but it's burned into my consciousness. And I remember standing there, and even my thoughts at the moment— when I heard this, and he told me, if you ever walk away from a fight, I'm going to kick your ass. This is what he said to me. And I remember being this four-year-old child thinking, this doesn't sound right. For decades, I really blamed my father for many of my conflicts or my inability to really deal with conflicts in the right way. But again, if you go to episode 33, you will see what I learned about my karma from this experience. And I don't want to go into it in detail here. But let's just say that the intentions of my father, I think, were very positive. They were in a very crude way, but based on his karma and his life experiences, this is his capacity to express this at the moment. I mean, he was young too, probably in his early 20s. And this is all he was able to do to express this idea at this moment. But if you really look at what he was trying to impart, the idea or the intention is one about standing up for yourself, how to face adversity and that you need to learn how to really fight. This word fight has a lot of negative connotation because we think of it as being aggressive or being out of balance. But this is not the case. This can be the case if you're fighting and you're very emotional, whether it's physical, verbal, or, or even some other possible way. But if you study martial arts, the emotional fighter is not the strongest fighter, not the best fighter. It's the one who's at peace, who's aware of what's happening. And so there is a way to fight with being at peace and being balanced. I think it's important if we look at what's going on these days and we try to learn how 
to really stand up for ourselves. I mean, it took me a long time to learn that it wasn't necessary to be physical to stand up for yourself. But this doesn't mean that there aren't times where it is necessary to become physical. And we can see this in the spiritual text that we study when we study yoga. Look at the Bhagavad Gita. It is the first written appearance of Krishna, the supreme personality of God, the greatest avatar of Vishnu in human form. And what is the Bhagavad Gita? But it's Krishna explaining to Arjuna the purpose of life and how to to live your best life. For him, it was to go into this battle and fight. And Arjuna didn't want to fight. He didn't want to battle, especially against his relatives or his cousins. He didn't want to harm them. But Krishna convinced Arjuna to fight by giving him the teachings that became the Bhagavad Gita. He begins by explaining this internal nature of the soul. And then Arjuna finally realizes through his conversations with Krishna, his duty, his dharma. Krishna says, it's better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. It's very powerful. This was the really major text of Hinduism coming from the Mahabharata, right? This this Bhagavad Gita teaching us how to find this Dharma, how to fight for what is right to fulfill our Dharma. And then we also can look at the Sikh faith. I know I have many Kundalini yogis who listen to this podcast, and some of them are Sikh. And maybe there's some Sikh people who are also listening to this podcast who are not kundalini yogis. You have the Nihang Sikhs, which is the warrior class of the Sikhs. They are the Akali, the immortal army of Akal, of God. They are represented by the way they dress. And you can see them, they usually are wearing blue. And they dress a little different than the typical Sikhs. And they are warriors. And, and uh, when you go to Punjab in India and you actually see these Sikhs, this warrior class, the energy that they give out is really a tough energy, this, this strong energy. And not in a confrontational way, not in a violent way. Most of them are are very kind and loving, but it's in this way that they are standing up for God, what's right, what is going to help them realize their path. And uh, they use this Adi Shakti symbol, which the Sikhs have taken, which is a symbol that's over 10,000 years old. And it was adopted by the Sikhs, and they kind of changed it. It used to be the symbol of a woman standing on a hill with her arms up, almost forming an untouched circle. And the Sikhs took this symbol, and Adi, Adi Shakti is this creative feminine energy. 
And they created this image through swords. Right? They have one sword that goes straight up the center. They have a round circle. And so the sword that goes up the center is really this balance, this centerness. And it represents kind of this right judgment or good discrimination and the ability to discern the real from the unreal. And then you have the circle, which is the experience of the spirit, this immortal experience, this never-ending soul, undying. And then it has two swords, one uh, going to the right and one going to the left. And so one of these symbolizes this spiritual battle, the battle between these tendencies that you have in this lifetime and really overcoming this karma to achieve this self-realization, to fight your way through the karma. And that's represented by one sword or two, one curved sword that is to fight the spiritual battle. The other one is to fight the worldly or the earthly battle. Because again, there needs to be balance. You're having this human experience. And so during this human experience, it's, as the Buddhist would say, it's a bardo, it's a door an opportunity to recognize or realize yourself. And so you have to have one foot in this world and one foot in the spiritual world, so to speak, so that you can fight both battles to learn how to overcome this internal obstacle so that you can conquer the world. In fact, in in the scriptures of the Sikhs, the Guru Granth Sahib, says, conquer the mind and you can conquer the world, right? Because what is the problems that you have in this world are all the problems that are coming from your mind, is to learn how to master the mind. The mind is your instrument. It isn't who you are. And these Sikh warriors, the Nihongs, are tough. In fact, they are responsible for holding the Mughals out of uh, India for a long time when they were trying to invade India, and they had, and they had a very small number of fighters, but they still held them out for a long time, and they were very tough warriors, with this reputation of being very tough, and standing up for what they thought was right, and in fact, during the when I was in India during the lockdowns. One, because many of them carry swords around. You know, if you go to to Amritsar and you see them carrying these big swords around, and and uh, yeah, they're they're known to be very nice, but you don't want to mess with them. And you know, in India, when there was a lockdown, they had the police blocked off streets, and so you couldn't go. They wouldn't let you out of your house and out of your neighborhood, and unless you had a movement pass. And a bunch of Nihangs wanted to move past this post that the police were at, and they wouldn't let them, and they took their swords and chopped the hand off of the policemen. Not saying that this was right, but this is the mentality that no one is stopping them from their freedom. And uh, 
And so they have this history of, of fighting, standing up for the righteous. And so that brings me then to this experience uh, that I have, and, and I'm sure you can relate to it. So we talked about this mindset that I grew up in, and it took me a long time to learn how to use words and to find different ways to fight my battles. And I remember one of my earliest memories of this conscious awareness of my learned tendencies or my karma was when I was in school. And I think, I don't know what grade this is in first grade, or I think maybe first grade. Yeah, I think this is when you start to learn how to write the letters. And so they say, okay, write a W. And you write the W over and over again and on your little piece of paper. And and the next day you do a different letter. And I remember when I would make a mistake, I would take, I was writing with pencil and I would take the eraser and erase the mistake and then angrily blow and, and push the crumbs of the eraser off the paper in a very aggressive way. And I remember doing this and thinking, wow, I don't feel at peace after I do this. And so the next time I made the mistake, I tried to erase it in a very gentle way and gently push the crumbs of the eraser off the paper and to try to learn how to maintain my calmness even when I made a mistake. Yeah, maybe it's obvious, but to a, to someone who's in first grade, it wasn't so, I think this is pretty insightful. And it allowed me to really start to understand the, this theme that was running through my life. And speaking of this theme, the, the benefits of this theme were this warrior spirit. And I remember the first fight that I got into, I was actually forced to get into this fight. It, it was, uh, was I think, um, maybe five years old, I think around five, maybe six, uh, about this age. And we were out front of the house playing with me and uh, my sister and her friends. And my father was sitting on the porch, and we were just playing in the yard. And these two boys came by and started teasing my sister and her friend. And my father told me to go over there and beat them up, right? I, I hadn't ever even gotten in a fight before, and these two kids were probably about eight years old. So from six years old to eight is a big difference, you know, at the, this, and the, there was two of them. And so I walked up to them, uh, to one of them, and he pushed me down, and I got back up, and he pushed me down again. And of course, I was not a good fighter. But the one thing is, I just kept getting back up until finally he started crying, saying, stop getting up. And I remember this fight. It was it was funny. Uh, in fact, when I was on the ground, I, I was pulling a, on his foot, and I pulled his shoe off and stood up and threw it in the bushes across the street, and they never were able to find his shoe. And uh, about an hour later, this car drove up, and uh, we were still out front, and, and the guy driving the car, called my father over. And he said, oh, your son was uh, picking on my kids, or my kid and his friend. And I was standing there watching them, and my father said, this is my kid. And he was like six years old, and the, guys, the other guys were like eight. And, and so the guy started yelling at his kid for picking on me. And then I had to go look and try to find a shoe, which we, we never found. But uh, yeah, this was my life. But 
the the one good thing is that you know to learn this this idea or to have this innate capacity to get up and persevere and not just when you're fighting this physical world but the spiritual world right we have these habit patterns that are difficult that we encounter and we keep resisting or we keep replaying and trying to fight through them and trying to persevere to achieve our authentic expression. And sometimes it gets very difficult. I mean, look at the karma that some people have, you know, whether it's through addiction or abuse of different things, or even just the daily things that you have in life of trying to achieve a life that you're happy with, relationships that you are connected to. And so you need to be a warrior to continue this battle. And again, when I'm talking about battle, we're not talking about aggressiveness. We're not talking about being angry. We're talking about balance and doing it out of peace, being persistent. If you're persistent, you're bound to be successful. If you've taken the Vipassana course, you hear this all the time. Because this is it. If you just keep doing it, eventually you will succeed. So now bring this to me thinking about this episode and the last week, what we saw going on in Canada. So I start to think about my own challenges through this period. My business has gone (laughs) pretty much bankrupt. And uh, who knows if my shop is still even there since I can't even get to it. And the challenges that we're encountering and why are we encountering these challenges and how should we be approaching them? Being a yogi, you have to say, well, you need to be at peace and you need to be balanced. And this is, this is 100% true, but it doesn't mean you need to ignore things. And it doesn't mean that you should be not fighting for not just your rights, but those around you. Because who's the group that has going to that has or is going to suffer the most from this? It's going to be the children. You know, you, they already see the language development difficulties in kids because of the masks. They see the emotional issues that children are having, the high rate of suicides and depression. And I mean, we haven't even begun to see the effects of this, whether it's the lower uh, emotional connection that people have because of how they grew up in this, these two years, you know, two years is not much for you listening to us before someone who is three years old or four years old or five years old or even a teenager, this is a big amount of time. It's going to have a huge impact on them, which is going to really impact our society. It's going to impact, it already has, but I mean, we haven't even begun to see it. And so you look at what's gone on the last two years and especially what happened in Canada this last month or the last few weeks, you can see that Whatever you believe, whether you uh, think these vaccines work or you don't think they work, this is this is for you to to do the reading of of the literature, to decide for yourself 
or whether you agree with the mask or not mask. Everyone, I think, who is on my social media knows me, knows where I stand for this. But it doesn't matter which side you're on, whether you're for or against it. But it should be the underlying way that we are being imposed to follow these rules. This is the issue. Because you can see that this, especially after the last week in Canada, this illusion of democracy in the West is gone. And just like the police in Canada pushed these protesters back meter by meter, if you watch how they did this, your freedom is being eroded step by step. And this has been going on for a long time. But now you can see that because of technology and because they used this epidemic or this pandemic, right? Now it's an epidemic, but this pandemic as an excuse to install all these these ways of controlling, whether it's the censoring on, on uh, Facebook or YouTube or, or whatever it is, and these so-called fact-checkers, right? But they have been taking away your freedom step by step, and because of this situation we've been in the last two years, and the media and the interest and desire of these politicians and the global elite or whatever you want to call them, the ruling party, that they have amassed enough methods of control that they no longer even try to hide their totalitarian ways because they are seeing that people are submitting without a fight. Not everyone, but a big percentage, at least a third, buys into being policed this way. You have maybe another third who doesn't agree with this, but they don't do anything. And then you have the third that is trying to stand up and fight. And I understand there's some people who maybe agree with the measures. Maybe they're, you have a lot of fear or you think this is the best way to protect people. but. Think about these methods that are being used and what happens when they do something that you don't agree with. Do you think they're going to not enforce them the same way? I mean, look at in Canada. What do they do? There's a a single mother who made a donation to this freedom movement and they froze her bank account. Now, when she made this donation, there's no stipulation that they're going to enact emergency provisions to stop this or that there was anything wrong with it. It was just a, a, a organization to protest the, these mandates. And there was no investigation, no court order to freeze her bank account, but they did it. No oversight. And again, you may not agree with her cause, But what happens when your beliefs conflict with those of the government? What happens when you are fact-checked and frozen out of society? I mean, when they freeze your bank account, how do you get paid? How do you make payments? 
when they kick you off the social media because they fact-checked you and they don't like what you said. Well, this is how you connected with your friends. This is how you connected with people. This is the, the, you know, the city square, so to speak. This is where people come together. And so what are they doing? You know, through this intimidation, there's video of in in Australia where the, the police are going to the people's door and saying, hey, were you at this protest that happened six months ago? And the guy said, well, why are you asking me? Oh, it's, it's, we want to know if you were there. Because they, they read on his post on Facebook that he was there. So they're searching through your post to find the people who are saying that they were there and then going to their house and trying to intimidate them. It's really interesting. And there was an article that came out today by Glenn Greenwald. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a journalist that became very famous when uh, Edward Snowden made public all the information that was going on about spying on the people in the U.S. And he's a great journalist, and he wrote this article about this kind of war on dissent. And it's very interesting because he talks about how in the West they look at places like China or Iran or Russia, and they condemn them for doing these specific acts. You know, in Russia, okay, they put the opposition party leader in jail, and they did this and they did that. But it's interesting because these same things that they're talking about these other places doing, they're doing the same exact things. And we're starting to see this now. Now they're not even trying to hide it. And so this illusion that there is even a democracy in the West is gone. Tell me one country in the West that's really a democracy. Any, any country that belongs to the European Union, definitely not a democracy. The U.S., not a democracy. It's starting to become very apparent. And I, I've said this a, a, a couple times. You know, it's interesting because you look at the history, uh, modern history from you know my lifetime, and I'm guessing most of the listeners, that the U.S. was the number one superpower. Right. And for good or bad, this is just the way it was. And for good or bad, the culture was exported. The good aspects and also the negative aspects, the fashion, the entertainment, all of pop culture, all these things were exported. And you can see the influences all around the world. But now, as China becomes the big superpower, are we starting to see the exportation of? their culture. And it's interesting because there's video on YouTube of Trudeau being asked a question where he knew they were videotaping him. And they asked him, which country do you admire? And his answer was China. He said, I admire the way they're able to get things done. And that's uh, that should tell you something right there. Now we see a lot of these countries 
letting go of these mandates because really, if you read the all the studies, they, they don't reduce the spread of COVID. And COVID is getting weaker as it's spreading as well. But you can see that a lot of this has been distraction. I think they say in the U.S. that one-third of the money supply has been printed in the last year or two. And I heard an economist talking about how during the 2008 crash of the financial crash or crisis that they had to bail out all these banks and they needed more money and this was kind of a distraction for that to lessen the value of this money, to indirectly tax the citizens because wages were going up and now we have inflation. And they're playing these games with your money. This is where it's going, right? Step by step, they're taking away these, these freedoms that you have. And so they remove all these mandates and you feel, oh, I'm free, but... They know now how far you're going to bend when they push you a little further. And the entire goal for them is the digital federal currency. And when this happens, you have to understand where this is going. And this will be the annihilation of your complete freedom. And you may think that I'm being hyperbolic, but when they have this digital currency, they basically control you because the way they're freezing these bank accounts, they don't even have to look at who's doing this, who has donated money, who hasn't. They could just say, because it's a, it's a program, they can just program the money. This money cannot be spent for this. It cannot be spent more than five kilometers from everyone's house, wherever their residence is. It cannot be spent. And so when they, they can basically decide how your money is spent or if you're allowed to spend it. And this is where it's going. And you can forget about any freedom when this happens. This is what the modern day technological slavery looks like. And when it gets to this, where are you going? And so I, I know many people especially these yogis who talk about not fighting because they think fighting is, is not peaceful. But going back to this warrior, this yogi who's a warrior, is to stand up for your human rights, to stand up for your free expression, and not even to stand up for your own, but for your children or for the children of society. And that doesn't mean that you need to be out of balance. That doesn't mean you need to be physical. It means that you need to find a way to do your part, to express yourself, to help lift the people who are harmed by this. Who is harmed by this the most are, are the, the people who are, in, who are poor, who are uneducated, who are struggling already let alone the people who are doing well, they still struggle because of things that happen like this. And again, once they turn your money off or your capacity to use a bank, 
what are you going to do? And so there's one thing that you have to keep in mind that there's a point where it becomes too late to stand up for yourself. And where where is that point? I know many people say, oh, it's easy to just put a mask on. And I know these things are kind of silly, but yeah, I don't want the hassle. At what point are you going to stand up for your freedom? And the challenge is to do this in a way that is at peace with yourself. The way to do this is through your balance through your insight, through your understanding, through your kindness, through love, right? The reason why that demonstration in Canada was so good, because it was peaceful, right? If they were violent, then, of course, the authorities could say, yeah, look at how violent they are. They're extremists, they're terrorists, they're... but because they're peaceful, it was very difficult for them to do this. They still tried, but This is how we have to do it, is to find a way to be peaceful within and peaceful without, but find a way to resist this control. Because if you don't, you may be able to still have a comfortable life so that you think is comfortable. What about the other people? What about the people who don't have this capacity that you have to bring some resistance to this, to be this yoga warrior, to be this spiritual warrior, this person who is going to battle not only the karma that they are dealing with to burn this karma off, but to fight this control. Because I'm really surprised how many People that are yogis, that consider themselves yogis, just try to ignore this or try to think, well, I don't want to ruin my peace. I don't want to let this affect me. But ignoring it isn't the yogic thing to do. And just like Krishna was telling Arjuna that it was his dharma to fight, to conquer his enemies. The same thing with you, even though you're a yogi, is to learn how to resist and not be silent. Do you want to be the person who is silent and let these things happen to your children, to happen to their children? Be that warrior spirit. Conquer the internal and external. Be harmonious with yourself as you do this. Learn how to spread this resistance through love. Find this balance, this warrior spirit. You know, when I counsel people or when I teach my workshops, I find people all the time who their heads in the clouds. They're so stuck with this idea of being evolved, with being connected to the mystical, you know, with all their angels and their crystals and their incense and and focusing so much on this that they're not grounded. And you need to be grounded with not only that spiritual 
warrior, but that earthly warrior. And be the yogic warrior. Bring peace to what is going on throughout this world. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I forgot to mention that I will put a link to the Glenn Greenwald article so that you can read this. If not, if you don't uh, remember, you go to my social media, but it will also be in the episode description. Again, please make a donation, help support this podcast so I can continue to bring you the content. And uh, go to the merch shop on the website, buy some merch. What else? Share the podcast with a friend. Help me get the word out. I have some interesting guests coming up on the show soon. Uh, I guess that's about it. So, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions.